This episode is brought to you by my book, Be Left Behind. Discover Bitcoin and cryptocurrency before your grandmother beats you to it. Available on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. I know it sounds kind of cheeky, but if you're honestly interested in getting started in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency world and don't know where to start, this is the perfect book to start. As one of our Amazon reviewers just said, this book is the easiest way around to get quick education in crypto. Written in a breezy, easy to comprehend style, it's a must read to those new to the space. And of course, I perfectly uh, agree with all of those things. Uh, available again on Amazon, anywhere books are sold. If you're also interested in getting more details, you can contact me directly. Also, my co-author and I are doing a weekly chat on Clubhouse. So just find me on Clubhouse and we'll talk all about Bitcoin every single week. This episode is brought to you by MeetFox.com. MeetFox is the simplest solution to interact with your clients online and to monetize your online meetings. It's very easy to use. I've been taking advantage of it recently. It has a fully web-based system, no tech skills required. You can schedule all of your meetings through one simple click. It's linked to your calendar. Use their online system for your meetings. Get instant payments, automatic invoicing. Truly simple, easy to use. That's meetfox.com. If you use the promo code YURI at checkout, you will receive two months to test out all of their programs absolutely free. And if you want to hear more about what MeFox is all about, check out episode 202, where I interview the co-founder about why they started this wonderful company. Again, that's meetfox.com. Use the promo code YURI at checkout to receive two months absolutely free. Welcome to Advance Your Art. If you are interested in making money from your art, using your artistic background to your advantage when switching careers, or if you are just plain stuck, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or transition to a new career, you've come to the right place. Every week I sit down with a creative entrepreneur to discuss the who, what, where, when, and why of their journey. And as always, remember to like, subscribe, and share this episode with a friend. Today, I'm sitting down with Chris Hervishan, founder of Better Way CPA. Chris, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Well, I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Where are you calling in from today? I'm in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Ooh, very nice. How are so how are things in South Carolina? Cold. <laughs> <laughs> We're having our first cold snap of the year, but otherwise it's beautiful. Hey, there's, yeah. there's worse places to be from for sure. That's that's something true. And you say cold as I see that you're wearing a looks like a short sleeve polo shirt as I'm wearing a heavy sweater. I'm I, correct. So I, Correct. What is, when I dropped is, the kids off this morning, yeah. it was 38 degrees, though. That's that's cold. okay. That's cold. All right. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I'm like, that's like what it is uh, up, up here. Um, excellent. All right. Very cool. So, for my listeners who are less familiar with you and your work, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Sure. So, um, we provide primarily virtual CFO services for marketing and creative agencies. Mm -hmm as well as tax planning and tax preparation. So basically um, helping entrepreneurs and, and agencies become more profitable, have more cash, keep more of their cash. That's basically the way to think about it. Yeah, okay, excellent. All right, so we're gonna get into that in one second, but before we do that, I'm, I'm 
curious on your side, what initially made you interested in becoming a CPA? It's a great question. It's really a question. Um, I went to college and I was going to be a finance major. I took accounting in high school. It did not go well, not even a little bit. One of those sort of situations where you drop the class before the class drops you, if you know what I mean. Um, but my first year in, in college, I, you know, I was going to be a finance major. So I had to take accounting. I took accounting. I had a great accounting professor, did really well, got an A and then figured out that I liked accounting. It, just the way that accounting was taught in the, on the college level was a lot different than what we had at the high school level. And it kind of just helped me wrap my brain around exactly what accountants do. And, you know, my dad was a, was an accountant, not a CPA, but an accountant. And he said, well, you know, you should probably think about, um, being a major in, in, in accounting. And I said, well, you know, I want to be an investment banker, even though I didn't know what an investment banker was. Yeah. And, uh, he said, well, you can do everything with an accounting degree that you can do with a finance degree and then some, so why don't you go, why don't you go that route? And he, so he kind of talked me into it. Yeah. And then, you know, from there, just kind of figuring out once I got into the accounting space, well, you know, if I go and get my CPA, that's going to sort of raise my career aspirations or, you know, what my career ceiling is. And, um, you know, let's, let's go for it. And part of the reason also was, um, like I said, my dad was not a CPA and I asked him one time, I said, why, you know, why didn't you pass the CPA? He said, it was too hard. I said, well, you know, if pops thinks it's too hard. Well, I got to go. I got to go pass the CPA exam, right? So um, that, that was part of it too. A little, little competitive drive there. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So, okay. So you, so you, you study and you become a CPA. What has been your journey like from when you graduated and then, and became a CPA to, to now starting a company? How did that evolution happen? Believe it or not, um, when I graduated college, I was a golf pro. Went and turned oh, pro. Yeah. Um, Wait, let's yeah. stop on that one for a second. Which so has what, nothing in it. I know, but that's yeah. interesting though. Golf. So, so tell me about it. what's it like being a golf pro, really? Other than like, because as much so, I I enjoy playing golf. I'm terrible at it. When I think of golf pros, it's always like from what I've seen in on in the movies. But what is it actually like being a golf pro? And and how do you, like, what makes you suddenly a golf pro? Like that's a great a, question. Yeah, like is it, yeah, really, is it like a, a certificate? Yes, real, or, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it's a great question. Um, yeah. Really, if you're going to be on, if you're going to try to play and make money playing, really, it's just showing up, showing up and collecting money that makes you a pro. Yeah, like on the PGA it Tour, it's, it's that easy. R yeah, it's, or just it's pretty much that simple. Yeah. Um, so how do you get on the PGA Tour? Yeah. You obviously can't just show up, can you? Can you? you can you? No, you've got to play really well okay. <laughs> for an extended period of time, which I did not do. Um, so, full, you know, full disclosure, uh, it did not go well for me trying to play and, and make a living. I, I didn't make any money. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I wasn't doing that very long. To be, you know, like a club pro, you know, as far as what that's like, you know, I did that for a you know, period of time too, just trying to earn money in order to finance the playing. You know, I was working six days a week from like, 6am to whatever it was making like 400 bucks a week. And it is not glamorous, you know, folding a lot of shirts, but you know, the friends who I have who were good players who worked at, at golf clubs and things like that, you know, we used to joke about the, the shirt folding uh, mm -hmm. in the pro shop. 
so it's it's not glam you know that that is not glamorous at all um being low man on the totem pole working out a golf course but certainly playing is better but it is it is high stress as you know as you can imagine because you're trying to you know hit shots and realizing that if you don't pull something off you're not gonna you're, you're eating mcdonald's as opposed to eating like a real meal um so it's it, what not necessarily yeah. is glamorous but it's certainly i would imagine if you're on the pj tour making millions of dollars a year and it's it's a little bit more comfortable existence yeah i i can imagine so so and the reality of it is you so you have to find your own way to each of these these tournaments and then basically like are there is there entry fees you have to pay to to be part of them or is it is it free if you qualify entry fees okay pay for your own travel so as you can imagine it gets expensive and if you're not making any money because you're not playing well yeah um you know you're in the red every single week so that, Ouch. Yeah. that takes it's, a toll pretty quick. It is. That is much less glamorous than I thought of as it as it was to be a, a golf pro. Um, okay. So how, how long did you do that for when you were like, I'm going to move on to something else? I did that for a little over two years. Okay. About two years, we'll call it. Yeah. So from there, um, that's, that's where I actually you know, got myself a real job. I went and started working for a forensic accounting firm. And what we did was we audited insurance claims, business interruption claims like lost profits from fires, floods, hurricanes, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did that for about three and a half years. Then I went and worked for a large corporate bank. And I was up in New Jersey slash Philadelphia at the time. And from there, came down to South Carolina, started working in healthcare, kind of worked my way up the corporate ladder between accounting and, and finance. But in the meantime, I had this side hustle. I started the side hustle when we were back in Philadelphia, right after I left forensic accounting. And the side hustle is one of those things which I'm sure a lot of your listeners can can relate to. It grew and it grew, and then at some point you've got to make a hard decision what you're going to do with it. And for me, you know, I texted my wife. I said just one day, I, I just was not having a good day. I texted her and I said, I I don't know why I'm here. I need to be doing something else. And you know, from there it was just a six month process, getting myself out the door. And, and starting this firm, which had already been in existence for eight or nine years and, and going full time with it. Okay. So that sounds like a, a great way to, you know, go from working for a larger corporation than to, to taking what you were doing on the side full time. But so while you were doing that, and it, it, I feel like this makes more sense on you, on your side, because you're, um, I'm going to already guess more analytical and, and had kind of your numbers in line, but how did you know it was a good time and that you could be able to jump and cover your expenses from your side hustle, no longer working for a large corporation? Like what was that process like? The first thing I did was I got myself a coach and the, and somebody I still work with. It's been almost three years now, mm-hmm. but when I was kind of going through the process of figuring out, all right, I want to go out on my own. What exactly do I want to do? How do I want to make money? And I'm a certified valuation analyst, which which means that I'm certified to do business valuation. So figuring out how much a business is worth, which is kind of a residual from my forensic accounting days. Mm -hmm. And I had been getting these emails from the gentleman who's now my coach, you know, for some period of time. And what he was doing was he's coaching other business valuation professionals on how to grow and scale a business valuation firm. Okay. So 
I reached out to him and I told him, you know, I think what I want to do is I want to start doing business valuation on my own. And we got pretty far down the process. You know, we had a, a website, we had a logo, uh, we had kind of the processes figured out. And about six months later, I was talking to some friends who were in the forensic accounting field. They said, you know what? I don't, I don't know if that's like the best idea, your best idea. And so I kind of rethought it and totally pivoted just overnight almost. And, you know, decided I'm going to do outsourced accounting, virtual CFO. That's what I know. That's what I'm already doing in my current job. Mm -hmm. I was doing some contract work for a CPA, doing the same exact thing. Actually, before we talk about your, your pivot, um, you mentioned a business coach. How did you find your business coach or decide that you needed a business coach? It was one of those things where I knew that I was getting into a business that I had never run before. And certainly somebody who had that experience, who knew what pitfalls to look out for, who knew how to, who, who had already done it, you know, been there, done that sort of thing. And who did that for other people and was helping other people do it. Um, that seemed like it was, it was certainly attractive because that, I was not in a, in a place where I had that information, number one. And then number two, it was just a, one of these things where I, I had read this particular person's con his name is Rob Burkert. Um, he's, you know, he's a mammoth in the valuation world, but I had read his, co his content for, you know, a long period of time. And, you know, he, he did an article on the back of um, the value examiner magazine, which is a business valuation magazine, but every single month, every month, there was an article back there about going solo. So, uh, you know, a solopreneur had, who had gone and done it themselves. And I read, I, it was one of those things where I would always get the magazine, I would flip it to the back and I would read that article and I would maybe sometimes read one of the, one or two of the other ones, but I always read that particular article. And I knew that there were people who were going out there and doing these things and that they were successful. So why not me? Um, and then when I made that kind of pivot six months later, he had, he, he's, I'm, I think his only, you know, virtual CFO client, who, and that's what I do. I don't, you know, valuation is not my main thing. Yeah. Um, but we kind of pivoted together and it's, you know, it's been a really good relationship and it's certainly helped me in a lot of different ways. Uh, but it's, you know, it's been great. I would highly recommend anybody who's thinking about going out on their own. If you don't have business experience, if it's something that you're not comfortable with, you know, find somebody who can either coach you through it or has done it before. Or you can just be a sounding board because it get it's, I tell my wife, it's a very schizophrenic endeavor to be an, an entrepreneur because it's like one day you're at the top of the mountain and the next day it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Why am I here? But, you know, having somebody who, who can tell you like, look, you know, it's okay, or you need to consider these things, or you should think about this is invaluable. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I, I, I've been there many times myself and, and you're right. It's nice to have somebody there who's been there kind of helping you along the way. So when you, so you're running your company and, in the early days, were there books you were reading or classes you took or just or any kind of, I guess, new way to look at what it was like to run your your new venture? Or was it just still working with your coach and kind of learning along that way? That's a great question. And as a CPA, we have to get 40 hours of continuing education every single year. Okay. So we're required to take continuing education. So to some extent, and I've always been one of these folks who takes way more than 40 hours a year. Reason being is 
I heard another CPA say one time, look, you got to do 40 hours. You can either be the person who sits in the back of the class and who like works all day and doesn't really pay attention, but you're just there to get your hours. Or you can be the type of person who does 80 hours a year and the best CPAs do 80 hours a year. So, well, if the best CPAs do 80 hours a year and I want to be the best CPA, then I should be doing 80 hours a year. Yeah. So I've just always kind of operated in this way that um, I, I want to be taking as much CPE as possible. I want to be learning as much as possible. And I read a lot and I always have my entire life. So yes to the books. And there's a lot of really great books out there. there I mean, there's tons of business books, you know, to read. Those have been helpful as far as figuring out how to automate and figuring out how to standardize and pulling ideas from um, business more broadly that maybe, you know, historically CPAs haven't thought about, you know, automation and technology. I think, you know, historically the CPA field has, has lagged. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of books about that. Um, a lot of CPE courses about, you know, what's new and out there different ways to present information to clients, different ways to help them stay on top of tax law, obviously you want to be making sure you're staying on top of that stuff. But the more that you can learn, I think the easier it makes it for um, yourself. Mm -hmm. What I like to say is, uh, in order to be able to connect the dots, you first have to collect the dots. If you don't have any dots to connect then connecting the dots is not, it's not going to get very far. So, yeah. um, Collect as many dots as possible from as broad a spectrum as possible so that you can, can connect them and then apply them to your business to move forward. Yeah. I, what kind of continuing education classes do CPAs usually take? Like, again, not familiar with this. So I, I imagine it from, from it being just like, this is what's new happening in tax law, which doesn't sound like that would be correct all the time. But like, what types of continuing edu edu education classes are you allowed to take and, and what qualifies. Sure, and you, they, they've got to get qualified in order for us to get credit. Ethics is a big one, we've got to take ethics, that's mm -hmm. required. Technical competencies, that's gonna be like your auditing and your tax, generally speaking. And then some account, you know, accounting type stuff when there's new pronouncements out. Um, you know, I, those, are, those are not necessarily as prevalent as, as auditing and tax, I would say. Okay. Specialized knowledge and skills, how to use particular you know, pr computer programs, software packages, things like that would be good examples. And then personal development, so soft skills, all of those kind of fall into the realm of, of continuing education. But you do need to have a certain amount of hours in person or, you know, live instruction. You do need to have a certain amount of hours in those technical competencies. You need to have a certain amount of hours for ethics, you know, those, those things you can't get around. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about then, like, the the what your your firm does and, and features a bit more um so you know i i can imagine as someone listening to this uh, i have a lot of freelancers independent contractors and i know from my own experience in that world like the idea of of taxes and bookkeeping is exhausting and it's like one of the last things you you think of but you know i read a lot of articles about ways to help improve that and what you owe it's it's something that you should keep up to date on the time or all, all the time. So how does somebody kind of, I guess, think about that? Like someone who's a freelancer, who's busy, who has been used to maybe doing TurboTax or just like, you know, not thinking about it until April. And then how, how do you kind of approach companies and individuals like that who are like, you know, I don't have a lot of money and, and what kind of benefit would I get from working with a company like yours? And that feels like it would be expensive. Okay. Here's a, here's the thing about bookkeeping and taxes. 
you have to do the bookkeeping in order to do the taxes in some form or fashion, some form or fashion, the bookkeeping has got to get done mm -hmm. by somebody. Taxes absolutely have to get done. Otherwise they will put you out of business rather, <laughs> rather or quicker than you want to go out of business. Okay. Yeah. It will help you along that journey. So you have to do those two things. Now, if you're not going to have somebody do them, that means that you just volunteered yourself to do them yourself. And if that's an area where you do not have expertise, you either need to spend the time learning how to do it and gaining that expertise, or you need to have somebody else do it. Those are, those are two very much non-negotiables in the, the things in your business that have to get done. Um, you know, the legal side, the HR side, those are good examples as well. The, the accounting side for sure. Those things that have to get done, if you're not going to have somebody help you, you've got to do them yourself. So you just you got voluntold by yourself. Uh, as far as, you know, freelancers turning, you know, trying to scale themselves, or maybe you've got a side hustle and you're, and you're trying to, to go out on your own. Two things that we see folks who are successful do. Number one, they understand and they manage their cash flow. And number two, they have a business plan and the business plan doesn't have to be perfect. This is one of those instances where perfect is the enemy of good. And if you are laboring over this business plan and you just can't, you know, rip the bandaid off and you just keep saying, well, I need to develop it. I need to develop it. I need to develop it. And while we're still working my nine to five, you're just not going to, you're not going to get there. Okay. So you need to have a plan. It doesn't need to be perfect, but you do need to revisit it all the time and it needs to lay out exactly what you do how you do it who you do it for and why you do it and it's not it's going to be a living breathing document you got to revisit it all the time clients that we have that do those two things really really well they're the successful ones the clients who do one or the other those are the ones who have created a job for themselves generally and they just kind of muddle along and the clients who don't do either of those well or don't do them at all they're the ones who struggle so you've got to have a business plan. You've got to understand cash flow. You've got to wrap your head around those two things. You've got to revisit them and you, you just have to rip the bandaid off and then just start, just go for it. Yeah. So, so uh, what is it, what's the process like working with your firm um, for a, a, you know, a, a freelancer or a self a independent contractor and um, yeah, what's involved in, in uh, working with you? So somebody who's just starting out, generally what we want to do is the business plan first. And what that looks like from our perspective is we ask a lot of questions and then we document it for you and show you what a good business plan, what a good business plan looks like. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it's a ton of questions because we want you to be clear about what you, what you do. And we want you to be thinking about the things you probably haven't thought of, you know, where we can really be most helpful is just think is we know the things that you probably haven't considered when you're going out on your own. So everybody invariably, has been pinching, pinching pennies for some period of time. And they know like, look, I need this amount of money to get started. It's going to cost me this much to, you know, buy food and pay the rent or whatever. And as long as I have this much money, I'm going to be good for X period of time. But then, you know, we're going to say, well, you know, did you get yourself an LLC? Did you get yourself a bank account? Are you considering the fact that you're going to have insurance? Are you considering all of these different software platforms that you're going to need? Are you considering that you're going to have a, an expense to do accounting, an expense to file a tax return? You know, all, all these other, all these other things. Yeah. And it's going to be, okay, well, you've got these expenses. So now you thought you had six months worth of cash. You really got three. And do you have anybody in the pipeline? We're going to ask all these questions. We're going to work through it so that you're not setting yourself up for 
failure, rather we're giving you the highest probability of setting yourself up for success. Sure. So that's where we start. Then we'll, you know, we'll lay out, um, this is what your corporate entity structure is going to be. This is going to be how you're, this is how you're going to be taxed. These are the taxes that you're going to pay. This is, you know, when you're going to pay them and who you're going to pay them to. We talked about that. And then we also think about, this is what a good accounting structure looks like. Either, you know, we'll set that up for you or you set that up for yourself mm -hmm. and we'll provide you training and you'll take it over yourself or you'll hire us and we'll just take it, you know, straight away. And we'll meet on a consistent basis and, and go over the numbers. It really just depends on how much cash you have to get started, where you are in that journey, and what your pipeline looks like. If you've already got a full, we've got clients who come to us, they're brand new right out of the gate, but they've already got a full pipeline and they've got plenty of revenue in the pipeline. We've got other clients who they come to us and they're ready to go, they've got some cash and they don't know where their next dollar is coming from from a revenue perspective. Those two things look very, very different. So, how we kind of fit in there depends on, on where you are in that journey. Okay. Okay. It's good to know. And so just like, let's talk about like CPAs in general. What are some, when, if somebody looks for a CPA, whether it's your firm or other firms, what are some good um, things to look for when deciding to work with a CPA or firm? First thing I would ask is, do you have experience in my line of work? Do you have other clients who do what I do or something similar to what I do? How much experience do you have there? Uh, how successful have those clients been? Have you, have you helped them, you know, either lower taxes or cut expenses or gain revenue along the way? How does that work? Uh, what's your billing structure look like? That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Do you still bill by the hour? Are you doing a subscription type service? How do you operate as far as meetings? That's a big thing now. Um, you know, do you have some sort of a virtual platform where we can meet or are you still doing in the office type stuff? Do you have an office even at all? Like I can tell you right now, we at my firm, we operate virtually. So yeah, every meeting that we do is, is virtual. It's, it's online. Um, those are great questions to ask. What software platforms do you use? Are you familiar with the software that I'm going to use? What do you recommend? That's a good, that's a good question to ask as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm curious because you just brought that up that you're you're you know operate virtually. Has that been because of of what's happened because of COVID, or was that just the structure from the beginning that you wanted to operate on a more virtual, flexible area? That was the structure from day one. So once COVID hit, when I you know what I told my team was, we've got a great opportunity right now because we already operate this way, mm -hmm. and a lot of CPAs were were scrambling, and it was tax season too. So. <laughs> you know, perfect, the perfect storm. It was yeah. tax season too. So, you know, we're, we're relatively young, we're relatively new. And I said, it's a great opportunity for us to, you know, no, we no longer have to have these conversations about, well, we operate virtually and almost apologize for it. Now it's like the standard way of doing business. And it's, it's a blessing to some people because they don't have to drop their papers off and go into an office and, and things like that. So, I told them, like, as long as we can maintain this, as long as we can do this well and execute on it and communicate, you know, why this is at least as good as, as meeting in person, we're going to be just fine. And we're going to grow the business during this period of time, even though it's going to be difficult. And sure enough, that's what's happened. So from day one, I've operated virtually, my team's operated virtually, and I don't ever foresee that we're, we're going to get an office. I, I don't, I just don't see the reason anymore. Yeah. Oh, good. Good to know. Um, but so besides, let's say, not wanting to get an office, have there been other business changes or other, I guess, the, the future of looking at your your company in a, let's say, post-COVID world or even in a hybrid world? Um, are there things that you're looking to change or evolve into? 
I don't think so from a logistical standpoint. From a technology standpoint, yes, we're going to evolve forever. The tax code is going to evolve forever. So our knowledge around those things is going to evolve forever. Our understanding of clients and their business is going to evolve necessarily because their business is going to evolve. So those things will change over time. Um, but from a technology, from an innovation perspective, and from a learning perspective, those things are going to evolve over time forever. That's never going to stop for us. That's that's our culture. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's how we do it. And those that that's going to stay constant forever. Okay. I'm I'm curious because you're let's say more of a, a numbers individual. How you think about fear and uncertainty, and how you set yourself up to, let's say, become more certain or just get past the idea of, of fear? That's a great question. What, what context? Um, I mean, I want to say, well, so, I mean, we're talking about your business, but I, I mean, in anything, like in your, in your personal life, um, professional life, just times when, when you, I usually ask that around people when they start their, their companies and, and yours seemed more like a, let's say, a, a, a gradual shift than a sudden, I'm now starting a company. But when, you're trying something new out and you're uncertain about it. Um, maybe it was even when you were a, you know, a golf pro and trying that out. But then suddenly you're like, you know, I, want, I need to do something different. It needs a change, but I'm feeling apprehensive about this and just how you worked through that. There's a couple different things. And, and you're right. I am a numbers guy, thankfully, because that's, that's a business that I'm <laughs> in. Um, do as much research around the numbers and the probabilities of what good might look like and the probabilities of what bad might look like. That's something that I go through all the time, you know, spreadsheets. Classic story about me is when we were, uh, when my wife got pregnant for the second time, I had, we had just bought a new house. I had planned on having two kids and I had a spreadsheet and it was perfect. And as it turns out, we go to the, um, to the doctor for the first time and he says it's twins. And I said, I had a spreadsheet and he said, I don't care. It doesn't matter anymore. True story. Absolutely happened. Almost fell out of my chair. But you got so you've got to quantify things as, as good as you can, realizing that you're, you're, you can't ever get rid of all of the uncertainty. So that's one thing. Ask a lot of questions. Try to gather as much information as possible. So you make sure that you're making an informed decision. And I think it's also important to look at your failures of the past mm -hmm. and not be afraid of failure and look at failure as an opportunity. So if you undertake something doesn't matter what it is and you fail and it's miserable that's bad if you don't take anything away from it if you learn something from it and if you're really proactive and really thoughtful about hey what can i take away from this so that i don't do this next time or so that i can apply this lesson somewhere else i think that if you make that a habit then failure is it becomes much less scary so you've done your homework you know what the upside is you know what the downside is and you realize that worst case scenario is that you're going to learn something from it, you'll be okay. Excellent. That's, that's good to know. So with everything that you've done and experienced over the years, what would you say has been the best advice that you ever received? The best advice I ever got was uh, shortly after I told my dad that I was going to, I was a senior in college. I told him that I was going to turn pro, golf pro. And he said, okay. Um, and I wasn't playing good golf at, at, at all. I had no business turning pro. Didn't know that at the time. I was 22 and dumb. And he said, okay, I'm not going to give you any money. And you will know when you go broke. And as it turns out, that was, um, that was the best advice I ever got. You know, I'll, I'll be supportive, but you'll know when you go broke. Yeah. And just realizing like, okay, like I can do this. It's going to be okay. 
nobody's mad at me. And worst case scenario is I go use my accounting degree. But that was that was the best best piece of advice I ever got. Yeah. I, so I'm I'm curious in your in your golf career, did you, I guess, quantify that ahead of time or like have a a plan on paper while you're getting started in the golf career, or just kind of go with it and then like see what what happens. So I've, I've always been that way ever since I can remember probably five or six, you know, mm -hmm. I would write down those things and keep them on a sheet of paper and just kind of think, well, if I do this and this, then this is, you know, where I can be or, or things like that. So I'm reasonably positive that I probably did that. Although I know I am entirely positive that at the age of 22, I had no idea how to use a spreadsheet, <laughs> even though I thought that I did, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that I didn't. And so it was probably written down somewhere, but I don't, I don't, it certainly was not the level of, of when my wife got pregnant for the second time. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and, and tell me about your experiences. I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to find more about your, your company or, and what you're working on, where is the best place they can go to do that? I would say go check out a new ebook that we just came out with. It's called Scaling the Data-Driven Agency. It'll give you a good overview of how to go through the different steps and what those steps should be if you're trying to scale. Definitely applies to freelancers and, and folks just starting out. And it's probably a, good, um, probably a good book for those to read who have been in business for a while but are just kind of stagnant. Mm -hmm. So the way to get that is betterwaycpa.com slash data-driven agency. And all my contact information is on there. You can find me. I'm on, you know, I'm everywhere. I'm easy to find. <laughs> Wonderful. And I will make sure I put links in the show notes so they can click right through and go right to your website and, and download your ebook. I appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you like this episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating, like, and share with a friend. Our theme music is written and mixed by Chicago-based composer Ryan Black of Blackbones Collaborative. To listen to the full catalog of our episodes, go to advanceyourart.com. To see what I'm working on or book a time with me or buy a copy of my book, Be Left Behind, go to yuricataldo.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.